This is Film Tank. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. We're going to make film history. Can you say that again? Just the way you say it. Baby, it's time to lose their head. They won't know what they're looking at, but why they like it, but they'll know they want it. everyone welcome in to episode 241 of film tank alex diekman here with you along with nick cheney 241 gonna have some fun you gonna be ready for every episode now like that that was great 242 with me and my booze that's more like booze but uh, yeah i meant booze as of the plural of boo oh okay uh, and then also Tucson Egan here with us as well. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not okay. I'm okay. <laughs> Imagine okay. if that's how the line reading was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. Yeah. <sighs> oh boy. That's uh... what are we talking about today, folks. Talking about one of Alex's favorite movie of the year. Yeah. Yeah, so the film we are talking about is a little film called She Dies Tomorrow. The film is directed and written by Amy Simitz. Simitz, Simitz, whichever it is. Um, and she's been around for quite some time uh, in different capacities, including as an actress, also previously as a writer director. Uh, and so she's done a lot of different things. So it seems like she's a quite talented person. And she shows up here to write and direct this film, which centers around uh, Amy, who thinks she's dying tomorrow. And this is contagious. Okay. Um, it ain't wrong. So the fi- yeah. So the film stars Kate Lynn Shio as Amy. Uh, you would have seen, well, probably most people wouldn't have, but myself and Nick have seen her uh, in the movie Kate Plays Christine, uh, which is a interesting movie from uh, the Sundance Film Festival that we saw that toes the line between film, documentary, mockumentary but it's not really a mockumentary because it's no. not mocking it's yeah it's, it's uh it's very much uh, uh i would say a a inspired by the works of somebody like one of my all-time favorite filmmakers iranian filmmaker abbas Karastami, who made these hybrid documentaries that were essentially fake but also technically real mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway yeah no, they had a, 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 a about them that even 
despite the I, I'm 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 just sort of like inferring on off yeah. of what you told me about the Knicks is that they have sort of a a verisimilitude about them even for all of their sort of uh, uh, affordances of, of of cinematic style. Yep. Yeah. I'm. I want to. I want to watch one with you. I think that'd be great. I want to watch one with you. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> so the film also stars Jane Adams as the role of Jane. She's been around for a long time uh, and has appeared in numerous films, including uh, the movie Happiness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we have some other people who you may or may not uh, recognize, including, look at this name. His name's Ken Tucker Oddly. What a name. Oh, boy. I guess um, no, that's not his last name. His last name isn't Tucker. His whole name is Ken oh, Tucker. No. His name is Ken Tucker. Like Call Kentucky, but he's a Kentucker yeah. from Kentucky. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. That's, I don't uh, know if I've ever encountered that name before. I think it's really that's really interesting. Huh. Yeah, there's there's a lot happening there. Yeah. Uh, also, Katie Selton and Chris Messina uh, appear in this film, and there's also appearances by Michelle Rodriguez and Josh Lucas. So, um. I will let you guys go first, and then I will fill in uh, where I feel I can provide something of value. <laughs> Nick, do you want to go first? Yeah, I can go first. Uh, Please. Oh, thank you. All right. Uh, I watched this movie this past uh, moon. I don't know. I, I didn't want to say 24 hours because I just didn't. Which phase? Yeah. Uh, I thought this was fantastic. I, I So Amy Simons, I have been following her career a little bit um, uh, over the past kind of decade plus because she's been in a lot of things as an actress, whether it's Upstream Color or a few projects with people like uh, Joe Swanberg or even Adam Weingard, who shows up in this movie as a cameo as the dune buggy uh, guy, which that's his literal billing. Um, and so she's been uh, around the indie circuit in those circles for a long time now. And recently she's been in a few things of uh, note as far as like blockbusters go, I believe. I know she was in like the Pet Cemetery remake and she was in the newest Alien movie, right? I think. That sounds right, but... Uh, Alien Covenant? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. She was in, she was in there. So, you know, uh, I think she's gotten enough exposure now where she can star in these uh, uh, slightly higher profile movies and then take that to the bank and then continue uh, to kind of fulfill her own career uh, wants and needs. And She Dies Tomorrow is clearly an extension of that kind of uh, mode. And... Um, I think I fell in love with her work when I saw her co-create uh, the Star Show, uh, The Girlfriend Experience, which was based off of the Steven Soderbergh uh, film. Oh. And, yeah. And she directs 
uh, I should say she co-directs with Lodge Kerrigan because they basically alternated, essentially, uh, every other episode. Um, and her work on that show was stellar, that first season of that show, and it's an anthology show, so you could just watch the first season and be done. But the first season of that show, which was also kind of the arrival of Riley Keough uh, as a talent, or at least in my eyes, um, the first season of that show, and especially her direction, uh, is one of my all-time favorite shows of all time. Uh, of all time. And um, so I've been very excited ever since then for her to put out something of her own. I still have not gone back to watch her first film, uh, Sun Don't Shine, but I'm definitely interested now. She Dies Tomorrow, I thought, was fantastic. It does obviously, I think, uh, (laughs) benefit from interesting timing, you know, that the movie had to get released uh, on demand um, during a pandemic in an election year in which a lot of people are on edge and cannot stop talking about it. <laughs> um, I, I would, you, you could almost describe it as serendipity if serendipity wasn't a word that was, whose connotations are, are, are meant to be advantageous. Like it's sort of advantageous in a sort of inverse effect. Like, it's like, oh, the, the, the apocalypse is happening. Oh, this work actually, like, uh, really taps into how that feels. Big mood. Yeah. yeah. You know, no. you know what um, yeah. I remember, I believe this was two years ago now, maybe three. Uh, anyways, I remember Handmaid's Tale had an episode that was like, gut-wrenching in terms of elizabeth moss and her daughter being kept away from her and they had a like super moving interaction uh and it was the same week uh of the start of the children in cages oh that's uh, right and, and that was uh just like we're talking about now like oh that was really fortuitous timing but not really <laughs> because yeah. children are still in cages Yep. Uh, no. Of doing that, like I think about, um, I don't know. I think about like Kendrick Lamar's album, like "To Pimp a Butterfly," and like when that came out, and how it sort of like felt like a temperature check for that moment in history, to the point where like everybody was talking about it, and like the contents of it is like it was like it, it's really it's it's a profoundly strange and interesting time. Uh, not only to live, but to create and consume art, which typically is is treated um, almost reflexively with disdain, but uh, in like inevitably becomes one of the most crucial aspects by which we sort of communicate with one another, how we connect with one another, and how we learn about ourselves and others. So. Right on. Um... Yeah, I so I guess I wouldn't say that uh, I enjoyed this film on two levels, uh, even though there's probably an, an infinite levels that one can really approach this, and that's kind of why I liked it. Um, but on on the surface, I did enjoy this as just a straight up impressionistic horror film that kind of reverberated a little bit from uh, things like It Follows um, and yet with less rules. And I think this is a clear case as to why a movie like this, when you don't try to define what 
you know, is the actual menacing force or what is the cause, then I do think it makes movies like this stand the test of time, as we kind of rewatched It Follows uh, earlier this year, last year, I don't remember, but, and it was a little uh, weak in the knees uh, when we revisited it, but something like this I feel like only gains power the more it carves out its own existence and refuses to actually uh, give a one-to-one analog as to what the reality is uh, compared to the reality that we're living in. Um, but the other thing is, like, just on a impressionistic allegory level, like, for my own takeaway, uh, as uh, I think, obviously, there's at least a pretty obvious uh, metaphor for social anxiety or just a mental disorder in general um and what i kind of liked about this was that this really went in a direction that a lot of movies even kind of movies in the same vein don't always touch on which is (laughs) there is a certain fatality to the way that i think uh social circles have been engulfed by mental illness these days we we have uh, done a lot of work, but not even close to enough uh, in recent years with regards to mental health awareness and, you know, uh, exposing and diagnosing various different neuroses, and that's all great. One side effect in a society, though, is that that, like, with that kind of knowledge comes this, like, splitting open of a collective consciousness, uh, and the way it can ripple through uh, you know, uh, f- social circles and society as a whole. And it can sometimes become almost, it's uh, a product of its own, uh, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it, I don't know, victimhood. And I, and I say this as someone who myself, you know, has my own struggles or whatever. So I'm not saying that therefore it's not real or anything like that. But I do think there was something uncomfortable in a good way about the way this movie kind of almost in a blackly comic, like dark comic way goes into the way that this is almost kind of performative uh, anxiety sometimes on the behalf of people who are quick to judge others going through something and it's not until it affects them that it becomes then obviously their entire worldview and the only thing that matters and um kind of specifically the uh what i'm referring to is something like how katie asselton uh jane's sister-in-law treats her when she first goes over to the birthday party uh, and she's just like the world's shittiest sister-in-law like i know obviously jane uh was uh you know, it's a weird whatever, but it's not well, like... Well, I want to talk about dolphin fucking. <laughs> it's my birthday, and that's all I want to talk about. Dolphin fucking. Yeah, she... Oh, man, Katie Asselton's great in this. Um, and, and what I liked is that she's just the most, like, self-absorbed person uh, in that she can't carve out a space for everyone to just be their own person, especially when someone is exhibiting such obvious signs of illness and pain. Um, but then, of course, when she's infected and she's, you know, uh, going through the same thing, it is like the worst pain imaginable. And honestly, I, I kind of see that in a lot of social circles in my own, uh, I don't know, just observing, uh, I, I, I've seen mental health 
kind of rip through a lot of places uh, where, like Domino's, and it's a good thing, but like Domino's, somebody will be more public about what they are dealing with. And then I'll see like a few months later, then all of a sudden that person will be too. And so on and so forth. And you start to see more and more people in, in almost like a traceable line of, uh, almost like anthropologically speaking, you can see where it started and where people got the inspiration to finally deal with their own shit. Um, but sometimes I also wonder if sometimes people do it and because they see it as like a, I don't know if you want to say it, but like... Yeah, kind of like a, I was going to say, like, a way to deal with their mundane problems <laughs> and not with, like, an actual genuine mental health. Now, I am not making any claim about any one particular person or specific person in my life or in, you know, whatever. But I think um, this movie does show, for example, um, you know, if everybody gets infected in the movie that we saw get, gets infected, let's say... Um, let's just say some people decide to take their own life and then there are people like the couple uh jane's brother and the sister-in-law who for the large i would say for the most part by the by the end of the movie are largely okay um you know obviously we don't know what's going to happen but i almost interpreted as while they got infected the infection can only really take hold like a parasite in somebody who is actually suffering from some kind of mental disorder, whether it would be anxiety, depression, or whatever. Um, and all they were feeling is that standard suburban ennui of like, oh, is this all life is? You know, whatever. And they were making a big deal out of it, especially because they would... beautiful house. Is what? This is not my beautiful house. <laughs> yeah. This is not my beautiful life. Exactly. Once in a lifetime. And... And I and I just I don't know I I that's how I interpreted the movie was that there were some people who got wrapped up in it for almost self-absorbed reasons and then there are of course some people who uh, got sucked into it uh, because that's you know how anxiety and uh, kind of spirals work and whatnot so I'm rambling a little bit because obviously this movie is so open to interpretation and whatnot but I'll pass it on and before I do I'll say I just I overall I loved it mostly because I just don't think I'm going to be done with this movie anytime soon i think there's a lot here um i think technically speaking it was gorgeous to look at um the strobe light effect was obviously used a lot so i could understand if someone's like oh that's that's is that all there is but also <laughs> that may be the point of the movie in that you know anxiety depression all these things that these aren't they're not mythological things that we can't understand it's usually it's the thing it's that it's so basic that we have a fundamental failure to not just get hypnotized by it and not to get lost in it, even though we can see it for what it is. It's just our own failings, uh, myself included, uh, that get trapped up inside of it, and uh, what you need is a smash cut out of it. And unfortunately, <laughs> normally you can't do that on your own. Normally it takes you know an omnipresent uh, viewer, like in this case the camera or whatever, uh, to, to really do that, but um, yeah, I thought it was fascinating, and I'd be curious to know what anybody else thought about it. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, 
like wholeheartedly with everything that you said, Nick, like, especially when you're talking about sort of the, you know, what we, we described as like the, the sympathetic response of how mental illness can like rip through a, um, through a friend group and, and how people sort of are able to come out and be open about that and sort of like teasing out what are the actual motivations or the, the sort of, uh, uh, the anthropological framework, which sort of elicits that, I think that's really fascinating. I mean, straight, straying away even from, from like mental illness. Like I, I had an experience, like I'm, 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 I'm going to go into my, my thoughts about the film, which I have many, many thoughts about the film. Like I had an experience uh, that I was reminded of when you, you described that, where um, back when we were in college, I was sitting with a friend and, uh, they were friends with another person who I, I did not particularly enjoy their company. I, I thought that they were kind of atrocious, uh, uh, which is the nicest word that I can think of. Uh, and oh, you're still doing a podcast with me all these years later. That's not, that's not, I, I would never say that about you or Alex <laughs> ever in my life. Um, but my friend, uh, was relating the sort of story about how a person had lost their keys and they couldn't get in. Uh, to their uh, to their dorm or something that right like that right and this person reflectively just like laughed and like was like sucks to sucks to be them right and then immediately checked for their own keys and realized that they couldn't find them and the 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 sort of transformation in their disposition from immediately mocking somebody else's plight to, oh no, it's very important when it happens to me, was just the cornerstone of knowing that I did not want to associate with that person anymore, or, or even be in, in their, their sort of vicinity. Um, I never said that out loud, but it was sort of, it, it, it still sticks out in my mind as one of the most uh, transparently, saliently dickish uh, Think like experiences I've ever witnessed somebody do. Um, so yeah, I just need, I just needed to talk about that because that immediately like you immediately made me made me think about that. Uh, with regard to the movie, with regard to she dies tomorrow, I had first heard about this through uh, AV Club or maybe it was a slash film article. And as soon as I read the premise and saw the trailer, I knew that I immediately had to see it. Like it's just it's 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 gorgeous to look at, and it is just such a, a a weird little object to sort of try to unravel and sort of like crack its carapace and like go through its guts and try to like figure out what what connects to what how is it working how 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 is this how is this pathogen spread because it's like a it's like this you're right it, it, it does resemble a lot like uh like it follows it feels like it follows meets upstream color which i know that amy Samet's uh starred in meets uh, another film that we recently watched, uh, Knives and Skin, if only in how sort of the, the texture of both the concept and the aesthetic of the film sort of like feels like it, 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 it touches on those three sort of points in those, in those respective texts. Like the concept of a pathological strain of existential, the only way I can describe it is existential hypochondria or hypochondriac ennui uh, is uh, devastating. So you call it like hopo, uh, hopo, 
I was going to say hypochondria. Oh, oh my god. It would have been funnier if I didn't say hoppo first. Hoppo, hoppo. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought that this was so, so beautifully shot, so deliberately and meticulously thought out and written. It immediately made me want to watch the film again. And that's not even saying for what, what we already mentioned before, which is the the sort of uh, inversely serendipitous uh, uh, circumstances of its timing, of its arrival into the world, into the world in which it is arriving into. Um, yeah, I love this film. I thought it was great. I, I think that, uh, what is the character of the, the, the character who's the, the, the sister-in-law of the, the second person who was infected, or at least the second person that we know is infected? Uh, Jane. Yeah, Jane. Uh, Jane was, oh, she was a real piece of work. Uh, just that party alone made me feel like, uh, do I really miss going to parties if it means that I don't have to have to like deal with a person like that anymore? I mean, I like hanging out with my friends. I just, I never oh, want to be. You're talking about the actual sister-in-law, right? Not. Yeah, I'm talking about the the actual actual sister-in-law. Oh, that was okay. That was Susan. Yeah. Never mind, not Jane. Yeah. The, the, the birthday party is just, oh, it's so. I was just gonna say, man, you are really throwing shade at Jane, and she was like <laughs> the main person throwing. I'm not throwing shade at Jane. I'm throwing shade at the the the. Yeah, meat. no, I, I I got you now, but I was just like listening at first, and I'm like, I don't think he's talking about the right person. Yeah, no, I I went the other way with the uh, family tree there. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so sorry. No, uh, but but yeah, it's uh, it's so fascinating. I I love the the sort of macroscopic shots of these inscrutable biological processes. Like I don't know what is actually happening on screen when I see these things, but I see different vessels being forged and other ones being broken. And it just feels like it's, it's just these, these, these imperceptible, but, massively consequential transformations are happening before our very eyes and they are informing the, the, the macro level interactions that people are having, how they are actually talking to each other, how they are interacting with the world, how they view themselves in the world and their own place in it. And uh, sort of circling back again to what Nick was talking about, sort of the sympathetic response of like people um, sort of like catching this, this virus or, Maybe they're, they're not catching the virus. Maybe some of them are, some of them aren't. Um, uh, the character of Brian, uh, the, the black guy at the... Um, yeah, the lead singer of TV on the radio. Oh, my God. He's the lead singer of TV on the radio? He is. Oh, my God. That's, hey, fucking, hey, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I thought it was so fascinating for the fact that it seemed like he was already infected before um jane got there yeah i thought that was and, interesting like, so jane herself and jane and amy and like they're not the primary vectors for this so where is the fucking source point of what is going on like and, and it, it, it just well we found out early that or not early we found out later that they weren't uh definitively because we find out that craig the guy she went on the date with 
probably got it from a pizza delivery. So we, at least from that point on, we knew it was like something larger than the ecosystem that we're observing in the film itself. Right, right. It's 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 just it's it's so it's so fascinating. It's it's uh, I've said that that (laughs) I've said that multiple times, but it is it really does fascinate me for the fact that um, in creating this sort of like sympathetic reaction of everybody sort of. Uh, going through uh, this pathological existential ennui, uh, some people are taking it in stride, and some people are are taking it as though it is the end of the world because it is the end of their world, which is not uncommon for the fact of people thinking about the end of the world. Um, like it's almost liberating for for Brian and his and his girlfriend Tilly because now they can just say what what's on their heart and what's on their mind. Uh, it gives them, it gives them permission to sort of like be honest with one another, which when they should have just been honest with one another in the first place. Um, but outside um, circumstances and trauma sort of made them feel like they had to adhere to a, a, a script uh, in, in, in how they, they went about the, the decoupling of their relationship. Uh, yeah, I love this movie. I thought it was great. I think the strobe light light, light effect that reminded me of of Knives and Skin, like the lighting itself, and and just trying to tease out what those sort of like hot flashes, those sort of like fugue, um, the those, those sort of uh, fugue periods uh, represent, because you can hear like voices. And their voices are from either their past or people who have passed away. And what does that all sort of mean? And it's, it's I have to, I'll find another adjective to describe this film. As like, I, 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 I want to throw superlatives at it. And uh, uh, my, my, my vocabulary is failing me when it comes to sort of like uh, plumbing the entire depths of just how wonderful I think this film is uh, just from its concept and its execution. Uh, yeah, like what 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 do those strobe effects mean? Like what, what, like how does this sort of like tie up one another? And really, the question is, they're convinced that they're going to die tomorrow. They're all there. There's a tomorrow for everybody, and at the on the other side of tomorrow, should they survive, what are they going to do? That 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 really piques my interest i think that uh yeah i love this film i think i feel like i feel like my impression of the film is higher now thinking about it than it was immediately after having watched it because maybe i was a little bit um middle of the road on it but just being able to like talk it out uh my appraisal i I believe has actually improved um yeah so that's to say that I I really I really fucking enjoyed this film, uh, and uh, those are my opening thoughts. Okay. Um. So I didn't really care for this. <laughs> uh, sorry. That's okay. Yeah, we're we're gonna do a one eighty from your guys' uh, opening remarks, um, and and I'll say this. Because I, 
I've kind of had a, a struggle with with movies like this because uh, uh, in reality, I just really don't like them. Um, and I, I was trying to think about that today because I didn't want to just come in this episode and just start bashing this movie because I feel like there is a lot of value here for a lot of people. But I, I'm I was trying to think of like I've got a clear pattern of kinds of movies that just don't do it for me. And I, I was trying to figure out why, because knives and skin and also um, it follows have already previously been mentioned, both films that I thought of pretty early on in watching this. Now I mentioned a couple other ones to Nick um, and both of them are, uh, for sure different than that one of them is a very bad movie which was m night Shyamalan's the happening uh which I, I didn't really i'm sorry Oof. you know what that is uh that 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 is a a in in concept I, yeah i can totally see the one-to-one on that continue yeah and it's not because of you know theatrical content it's just story for story similar thing happening and obviously some different thoughts on uh why it is and what this anyways uh and then killing of a sacred deer uh another film that that i thought of um in this similar vein although that is kind of the exception is i quite like that one uh as that's a pretty solid yorgos lanthos film anyways uh, i'm speaking about all these other films because there, there's a there's a part of me that just for some reason doesn't like films like this. And I think I've landed on at least as an original uh, thesis. Uh, that's not, maybe not the right term, but it, it, I feel like I'm trying to figure out why I don't like these. And I think I landed at the fact that Personally, I always like a film where you can see what you are wanting to see and you can interpret from it, but you're being told what the story is and it's up to you to, to really put your thoughts together on it. Where I feel like in movies like She Dies Tomorrow, um, a lot of the actual on-screen mechanics of the story are basically inconsequential to what the filmmaker wants you to take from the film. And that's certainly um, a unique and, um, you know, can be well-utilized way of telling a story. And Somewhat alienating? I'm sorry? Somewhat alienating? Um, well, I mean, I, I don't, I, I think, I think it, it, it just kind of is for me because it yeah. just does not, the, the, this kind of storytelling just does not resonate for, with me for whatever reason. Like I, I can't watch a film like this and think anything more than, oh God, why would, why would someone put this film together in this way? Like I, I just can't, uh, I can't wrap my head around the way that the story is structured, but the reason why I wanted you guys to, to spend more time talking about this is because I see, I see like the things here that are really good. And like, I see the, the purpose that this film has and I'm totally with what you guys are saying. And I, I think, 
um, a lot of the story beats here that relate uh, to the inner struggle and also the outer struggle of, of human beings um, is 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 real. But for me, at least on a first viewing, which unfortunately a lot of these films uh, like this never get a second chance, um, I just I just couldn't get past my own brain on it. Just thinking, oh man, this movie is just not good. Um, and it's it's you know it, it's probably. Uh, a negative for me as, as a film viewer, especially one who watches as many movies as I do. But um, I, I think self-reflection wise, I think I, I just have to be honest with myself in the fact that movies like this, at least at this time in my life, just do not uh, light the flame for me. Um, and that's, that's okay because I don't necessarily think it's even anything that's super damning of myself or of the film. Uh, it's more just a personal preference uh, of a way that my brain has has matured in the way that I enjoy viewing media um, and then just things about it that just don't interest me. Um, and this uh, pretty much would be one of them. So. I'll have some more thoughts and I, I, there were a couple specific things that I uh, quite enjoyed in specific moments. And uh, I do want to definitely hit on something about the strobe light effect and the coloring used for that, as I thought that was interesting as well. But I just wanted to give that as not really opening thoughts of the film, because again, I, I pretty much thought this was not great at all, but um, more trying to do a self uh, journey into why I keep not liking these kinds of movies. So, Well, and can I say something really quick in your defense, which is that, I mean, every single human being, individual, whatever, who sits down to watch a movie, that as much as I think all three of us would agree that, like, we like to do that activity, <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah. how much you like to do it, you also want to feel like, what you're doing is worthwhile and obviously when a, when it's not a movie that is i would say uh co-geeling with your own sensibilities then obviously there's just nothing you can do about that which i don't mean to say that alex you're saying like oh like i don't like this movie and then i'm like trying to shoot back well that's just because you're not with it or anything like that. What I mean is, like, I'm glad you're flat out stating that yeah, yeah, you just don't like it because you don't like these types of movies because at the end of the day, we all have that with something or another. So that's yeah. I, that's completely valid. Yeah, I think that this, this film, you know, speaking personally, is like I feel like this film really jives with my sort of sensibilities my the, the gratifications that i usually take from film i mean it's just a i think it's an expertly shot film i think that it's I, i've i've come to value and appreciate uh terseness when it comes to um certain performances and certain type of writing particularly writing especially um and Music. Oh, I, I have to. I have to talk about music for this because, like, playing. Uh, what, what is it? Uh, is, is it Mozart's Requiem? 
Mozart's Requiem constantly playing over and over in this fucking film is like, it's almost like, it, it's, it's like gallows humor. It's like dark gallows humor that just keeps on uh, playing over and over. It reminds Let me, me of- tell you, someone who didn't appreciate that, that would be my wife. <laughs> oh She's my. It's like, are we going to just keep on playing the same song over yeah, and over so... again? Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's <laughs> like the, the line from, from High Fidelity, what came first, the music or the misery? Um, it, it, it's just... Uh, it, I, I will say really quickly that that's yeah, actually a trope in any movie that I actually love, is when a movie does repeat a song, mostly because it's actually atypical. A lot of times the movie will make sure it doesn't repeat a song, so that way you think it's just like a, I don't know, whatever, multi-fat, like it doesn't want you to notice the individual parts of a movie and the virtue of repeating something like that obviously makes you take notice. Uh, But uh, movies like Taxi Driver, which repeats that one melodic score over and over, uh, over Travis Bickle's narration, or uh, in this movie where it really, for me at least, uh, always conjures up a a fugue-like state that I'm always down for. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I particularly, I, I, I personally particularly like that, uh, that, what would, what we, like, Nick, would you describe it as a motif or a lay motif? Uh, yeah, I think it'd be a motif. A motif, yeah. Maybe, I, I like the, uh, the, maybe an aperitif. <laughs> uh, I, I, I particularly enjoyed that, um, musical, wait a minute. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that, that musical motif. Another thing that I thought of when I when I was watching this film, I thought of this this quote from Albert Camus, who you know the the, the famous like stoic existential author who like wrote The Stranger and like the Myth of Sisyphus and The Happy Death. Like I just looked it up now, and like I, I thought of this while I was watching uh, Amy like go through all of her clothes and try to like commit to sort of an, an impromptu. Uh, 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 ritual around the house or, or just scrolling through urns or, or, or choosing what kind of coat she wants to be made into. Like I thought of a quote from Albert Camus where it's like, uh, and I quote, should I kill myself or have a cup of coffee? But in the end, one needs more courage to live than to kill myself. I was just like, holy shit. I was just like, guys, you're going through it right now. It's like, you need to talk to somebody? Shit. Um, but yeah, this is, a all of those moments just really sort of like hit home for me. Just like, what is this? Like, what, what actually is this? Is this some, is, is this some type of biological pathogen or are we all just sort of being hooked into this like sympathetic, uh, response that is just reverberating into a, a larger, a larger radius as, as the movie goes on. Yeah, I um, I really quickly want to talk about the fact that one thing that I thought was unexpected for a movie like this, even though obviously it's kind of an unexpected movie in general as far as its rhythms and whatever, but one thing I definitely did not expect to see was the use of uh, flashbacks because for a movie like this, it's so grounded 
in a in media res atmosphere you know like what is happening in the here and now and how it is uh having ramifications in almost like a slow motion-esque uh pacing or whatever so every time we do actually cut to like her moving into the house and whatnot um i, I was always taken aback because while i think that's uh emotionally true to the character and obviously to the the plot at large it still was even more disconcerting um all the more because of it because in general that's what you expect from a random character drama where you're trying to figure out well what can we show the viewer to explain um you know who they are now and why they're acting the way they are and so here we we revisit moments of her past that are less about uh, exposition, about like explaining what led her to the moment, and more about trying to tug at, I think, uh, inner psychological turmoil about where, in her own head, this could have originated from. Like, did it come from the decision to have an abortion? Did it come from a date night or weekend that uh, did not quite go as planned, you know, so on and so forth. And we all kind of know that none of that is explicitly the answer, but as human beings, we are not equipped to deal with anything abstract, um, which is what mental illness is. It's absolutely abstract, at least in one sense. And so for, I think, uh, Amy Simons to intercut such a weirdly experimental horror film and that's so impressionistic with very straightforward uh flashbacks but only sparsely so it doesn't like it it never overwhelms the actual narrative i thought that was very interesting and um was actually making the form uh the, the film more upsetting in some ways because it was showing you a reality outside of the one that our character is currently trapped in so we know this is not a lifelong thing and it also makes the current uh emergency state all the more alarming that it is so starkly different and um it kind of also loops it right back around too to being that maybe there's hope you know like there, there's a life that existed before this moment and you know the whole the title alone the, the whole battle that anybody does with anxiety or depression or anything like that is thinking essentially that like the characters are thinking in this movie that there is no tomorrow and even if most of us are thinking about that in the abstract sense like the pain I'm feeling is the pain I will always feel, therefore today is tomorrow, and so on and so forth. The thing we can never remember during that moment is that the next day is actually a different day, and there is actual promise for change and or, at the very least, a variation on what we're experiencing. And so I just thought that was interesting, that while she's trying to uh, forcibly go through her memories about what may have caused this, she's also missing what's right in front of her, which is that that was a time in which she was, I wouldn't say quote-unquote normal, but uh, slightly more alleviated from her pain, even if she was dealing with hard issues. And it, it's like right within her grasp, and she, I think she's capable of making that reach. It's just a matter of will she or not. And I think ultimately that's what the ending's about too, which, you know, I'm okay, I'm okay. It's that uh, you, it, it, unfortunately, it, it is work. You know, you, you cannot get over anything of this magnitude uh, by just not 
you know, thinking about it or anything like that. You have to feel it before you can shed it. And um, what, you know, I think the ending signifies for me then is that, you know, having to have that kind of breakdown moment of saying to yourself, I'm okay, even if it's blatantly false, it is still technically an action that you are putting forth. And without putting forth any action, you would be doomed. But at the very least, whether, you know, it seems futile in the moment, just the very uh, gesture of doing that is what might be the difference between you living or dying tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, just this conversation and the film itself, it reminds me of... um, it, it, it reminds me of the fact that, you know, we all sort of live with that, um, that ambient knowledge, the peripheral knowledge of human mortality and how at one point in our lives, we clued in to the fact of mortality and had to confront it on some level or another. Um, and nonetheless, continue to live. Uh, even even in spite of it existing at our, at our periphery, even if it does exist, uh, however it manifests in the the occurrence of our of our favorite celebrities, of our favorite writers, of our uh, of our friend group, of our family, whatever proximity we might have to it, it's something that we all sort of like share an understanding of, like and how we sort of like move past, or, or not even not even move past, but sort of reconcile the fear of that with the with the certainty that even though like we don't know what it might mean to for that to happen to us because nobody can really truly describe the feeling of what that is like whether whether in in the instance of extreme pain or of or of um like a a a peaceful expiration of, of, of one's life in that way, we still sort of, we still navigate through life. And, and that just happens to be one of the, uh, the, the, the experiences that we sort of have to have to reconcile with. And I, and I, and I think that, yeah, I like that ending a lot. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not okay. I'm okay. And it's okay. If you don't know you're living. Yeah, I mean, oh, Alex. No, I was going to take us in a different direction, so please continue. I was just going to basically cap that off by saying, like, whenever I've had my own bouts of anything, like, I've never, especially, you know, it it does seem to happen, obviously, at night when you're more isolated, more whatever, and I've never been able to just, like, go to bed having the problem solved. You know what I mean? Like, you have to basically go to bed in that pain saying I'm okay I'm okay just so that way you can lose consciousness and wake up 10 hours later and be in a completely different space like that and I felt a shade of that in the way that she kind of laid back down and uh, went for that I was like I feel you yeah mood big mood <laughs> Alex what were you gonna say yeah so uh, I did mention that the uh, the strobe effects that we have here which, oddly enough, um, 
have the blue and red uh, at, at different times um, coming through. So, so what do you guys think about that color choice of that? And do you think that there's any any mention to uh, law enforcement, uh, or if that was just an aesthetic choice? I I definitely think so. Here's what I'll say: um, there was actually, at least from what I noticed, three colors because there was always green as well. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, so I don't know that I specifically zeroed in on the blue and red. Uh, line so to speak um i will say that for me i don't know that i read anything into the colors themselves other than the way it differentiated the space and time of how they were basically in existence uh i mean just the general like you know once they're infected they are now existing in the same spot but in a completely new reality and obviously that's kind of a simple uh, whatever impression, but I definitely think that was it. But I, I guess for me, I did not have any real thoughts on the color. So if anybody else did, that would be interesting. That's all I had to say. I, I, yeah, I didn't have anything on the actual color choices. I thought it was more of like a like a, a bout of uh, of, uh, of synesthesia that sort of like depends on a person. Like you know, all these colors and all these these basically these sensations like manifest as these strobe lights that engulf a person's senses and overwhelm them. And I actually took the time to sort of like pause at a freeze frame uh, when they are, um, when those are on screen and those are actually happening to the characters. And I noticed that there's a face, like there's a face of a man. uh, And I didn't know how to, to really, um, how to how to how to parse that? I didn't I didn't know what is the actual meaning of that. I I feel like I it 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 absolutely necessitates me going back and rewatching the film in order to sort of clue into what if any significance the actual composition of those strobe effects is. Um, and I'm happy to do it because, like I've said, I fucking love this film. Uh, so yeah, that's that that's at least my my off-the-cuff take on that. I'm, I'm interested if, if Alex has any sort of, like, even in, like, a, like, a, like just a, a first impression of that. Like, what was your sort of associations you sort of built out of that? Yeah, so I guess for me, it was, it was, it just hammered home too much to not have at least a thought about it. So, um, to, to, to say then and the about there being a green color as, as Nick was mentioning uh, earlier I mean uh, I, I feel like for me it took it took my mind to that place I guess is the best way I can say yeah. it where I saw the colors on screen and felt the first time I saw it all I felt was police cruiser. Well, the, the poster, first... to be fair, too, is only showcasing the blue and red. So, obviously, I would say majority of the time, that's what the focus on. I just always notice a green one in the background sometimes. Yeah, yeah those are primary colors. So, you're not yeah. wrong or anything like that. Or, yeah. No, no. Yeah. I, I, but at the same time, um, you know, it, it, at least for me, uh, it was the, my brain's first thought every time. So, since it kept happening in that exact color scheme, 
um, it just it just drove me to that, which led me down a path of thinking about why would that be a choice here? Why would we want even? And I mean, especially right now, even if it isn't anything that the filmmaker uh, Amy Simons wanted to have involved in this, um, the idea of just police or people in general uh, that are supposed to be there to protect you, that are not there for you, um, is obviously very real uh, right now in, in our society and has been uh, for a lot of people for, for a long time. Um, and I'm sure you could say that for anyone who's having any kind of difficulty, in, especially if it's a difficulty for them that uh, other people could turn their nose at or, you know, whatever. Uh, this, you know, this thought that someone's struggle isn't really that important. And you guys are mentioning, as we see throughout the entirety of this film, once it, it becomes your problem, then, then that's obviously a totally different story. Um, but understanding uh, of people's struggles and, and understanding of people's differences um, is, is a problem for a lot of people. But I certainly do think that, that law enforcement plays a huge part into that. And this idea of um, people being vulnerable at, at their most, um, or people needing help sometimes at their most vulnerable state, um, and, and almost being um, possibly yeah. turned away because their problems aren't thought of as being important enough. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm grasping yeah. for straws a little bit here, but but but. Uh, if you're grasping kind of, for straws, man, I'm ready to suck it up. Oh my god! Okay, well, I'm glad you said that because. <laughs> uh, I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. <laughs> I've abandoned my child. I've abandoned my body. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like Pee Wee Herman. To play Daniel Plainview. Yeah. Yeah. Imagined by by Pee Wee Herman. Man, that would have been a different movie. He's stolen my rig. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The other thing I would say about the colors is that since this is an experimental horror film, um, I'm guessing Amy Simons has, uh, since she seems a very well cultured person. has seen uh, a lot, or at least some, Euro horror, and a lot of Euro horror directors like Argento or Mario Bava or uh, Zualski love primary color lighting. Um, And so I kind of like how, instead of necessarily basing her entire film around that color palette, like something like Argento Suspiria or something, uh, instead reduces it only into the confines of uh, showcasing the psyche uh, as a manifestation, so to speak. So it could be that. It could just literally be a visual influence as well. Yeah, definitely. It's probably correct. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Trying to think. Anything else before we go to final ratings? I mean, I, I know we um, 
I was just going to say that, like, the thing about this movie is you can either talk about it forever or not talk about it for much just because it's so open interpretation that it's really just something I think everybody's got to see for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely a film that, that, um, that everyone should see. Um, and, you know, respective to, you know, what's, what's going on right now. What's uh, going on? Yeah. Sort of, uh, sort of testing those waters and seeing as much as I, I feel everyone should see it. I feel like, you know, practice self care to the extent to which you, uh, um, are willing to entertain, uh, existential horror fiction, because that is definitely what, what this is. Um, and don't yeah. watch this. If you're an empath, am I right guys? Oh my fucking God, Nicholas. <laughs> I cannot believe it's like a, it's like your your favorite cat that brings home a dead mouse. I'm just like, why did you do that? Why did you leave that at my feet? Why I did you, you put a present? Why did you put that on my fucking socks? Oh my god, Tupac, what is wrong with you? <laughs> that's what, that's my girlfriend. you with, with their their, their findings. What are you talking about, man? That's a gift. Oh my god, <laughs> Tupac. Anyway, yep. Okay. <laughs> um, well, hey, you know what? I will start final ratings. That's everyone. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, I thought this was fantastic. I can definitely understand why it's not anyone's cup of tea. Um, but let me just say, this cup of tea's got my name on it because I got it from Starbucks, and they write your name on it. Um, and I thought this was just really well shot. I, I, I you know, I am a fan of these kind of experimental horror films when they are these kind of uh almost mosaic tone poems visual tone poems so to speak so i'm already kind of on board for something like this but the fact that for me at least it had an actual undercurrent of interpersonal uh, experiences that i both related to and also have at least observed in others, I was I was very on board, and I was very happy to have both watched it and to be able to put uh, something into it and, and receive something from it as well. So I thought all around uh, it, was, it was very good, and I think it's definitely worth watching at least once for anybody just to, just to see it. It's a pretty short movie, so it's not like you're going to, uh, you know, waste too much time or anything like that but um yeah for me it's a four out of five stars okay so my initial rating for this was three and a half uh out of out of five stars but i'm going to have to say um in in lieu lieu of my yeah i'm coming Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Yeah, I'll give it a four out of five. This is actually, yeah. What? Uh, what? What's happening here? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This called sexual is, tension. Put your knife away. Tone is is completely opposite of the film itself, to the point where it feels <laughs> wild, wildly inappropriate. Uh, you're you're gonna you're gonna hear my endorsement and then watch this film and be like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Tucson? Um, 
This is such a great positive experience. Oh my god, I love this. Well, I found it to be. I mean, Michelle Rodriguez was kind of into it. Oh yeah, that's right. Because it's about family. She was just happy to not have to be fucking dealing with Vin Diesel. So, she's like, "You mean I get to be a character that's not named Letty? This is this is awesome. I'm a human being." Um. Yeah, I I I like this. I like I like this this film very very much. I give it a, a four out of five. Alex calls so, the elevator down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty great. That's wow. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, we're just waving down the shaft. Hey yo. Hey. hey. Hello. Mm-hmm. I just didn't didn't love this. Um, I do feel like one of these days I'm going to give a film like this another shot. Um, I, that's my big thing, and not because I like want you to for the sake of anything other than just wanting you to like movies in general, whatever. But I'm always curious if one of these will. And I thought She Dies Tomorrow had a better chance than Knives and Skin. Like you watched Knives and Skin before I did, but if I had watched that first. I would have known 100%. There was no way. But this one I thought there was at least like more like a more less than 100% chance that that it was going to go that. But anyway. Yeah, and and I, I do think on a rewatch giving it a chance to be what it is and knowing what I'm getting into and what uh, the story is and what I should be, you know, looking for and trying to get out of this film. I, I think there's a potential for me to to raise my score not really high, but quite a bit higher than I'm going to give it now. Um, it, I'm probably never going to watch Knives and Skin again. And I gave it Follows Another Shot, and it was just as bad as I remember. So, um, you know, it doesn't always work out, but maybe someday I'll, I'll sit down and rewatch. Probably, honestly, I'll, I'll get together with you, one of you or both of you guys. It's a to watch it again sometimes. I still uh, really want you to rewatch the Neon Demon, but that's just me. I I will commit to rewatching the Neon Demon. All right. Well, we're only going to do one at a time. We're not making a day out of it. <laughs> we're not going to going to do the uh, what is what is it called from uh, from from A Clockwork Orange, the Levitico, uh, <laughs> the Levitico. Uh, uh, transformation or whatever where you hold their eyes open and like squeeze droplets of water hell yeah um, yeah i don't think that's gonna make me like it more so <laughs> it worked on him <laughs> yeah well uh so anyways just to start off it's a one out of five for me because i just was not really picking up what this was putting down um but I feel like I would at some point like to uh, try this, try this again. I feel like if we do enough uh, rewatching Neon Demon, we should have like a like an updated small review version of it because um, I feel like there's a, a chance that um, all of us could have some some different opinions on it now that time has passed a bit. I would be open to that. I would like that. Yeah. 
Well, if uh, you out there have any thoughts on She Dies Tomorrow, you could always feel free to send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also look for us on Facebook or Twitter at Film Tank Show. And also, if you want to listen to all of our episodes, you can find them at filmtankshow.com, or you can search Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify uh, by searching for Film Tank or Film Tank Show. Coming up on our next episode... Uh, Anna is going to be back as she, uh, for sure, safely, our most regular uh, fourth uh, on this podcast. Uh, And to kind of close out the summer a bit, uh, we are going to do an episode on the Steven Spielberg classic Jaws. We're opening the Uh, beach. Yeah. The uh, beach will be open by August. Yeah. Which uh, uh, I, I found out, what was it, like a month and a half ago that Tucson had never seen Jaws. So, no. that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that'll, that, that, that'll be uh, interesting to, to get your first thoughts. And um, it'll be a fun movie to talk about, I think, is there's a lot of pretty wonderful filmmaking that went into uh, the original Jaws. Not so much its slew of sequels that um, really, I think, fell off quality-wise pretty Can't wait for Jaws 6. What's that? I can't wait for Jaws 6 with the uh, the holographic uh, Jaws coming out. Back to the Future 2? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great. I do love that even though he is from the 80s, he still thinks like that that's really going to eat him. And it like, ah, like... Maybe it's just because I'm watching that film in 2020, but I'm like, there's no way that any person could think that's real. Yeah, it was weird is that he's acting like he's from like the early 1900s and he's watching the <laughs> train on the screen come right at him. Yeah, you don't understand. When Virtua Fighter came out, there was nothing else that looked like that. Like, it was like, oh my God, these breaths are so realistic. It's like He's been in a fucking time machine. I think he's... <laughs> Very aware of well, what technology exists. That's like tactile, like like oh. uh, like automated. Whatever you're saying no. <laughs> Whatever I'm saying no. That's how you. I argue my point. <laughs> yeah, you're just like the commenters in my articles. <laughs> the commenters. Yeah. They stand outside the door begging for food. The commenters, yes. Oh, he said you said commenters. commenters. I thought yeah. he said commoners. No, that's not yeah. why I, I did com- not. Tucson is just throwing incredible amounts of shade. <laughs> the commoners in my no, article congregate in the comments section. Oh, my God. Eating oh. at the morsels of my wits. You are going to get me in trouble. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> They're also gathering with the commoners so, and oh. the commodores. <laughs> The conquistadors. Anyway, <laughs> the conquistadors. Yeah, this well, is we want to really be inclusive. <laughs> the, the commoners. Commoners. Uh, commoners. Comment. Comment or yeah, This is what happens when you record over the internet. Yeah, this is what happens. San Diego ones. San Diego ones. San Diego eights. <laughs> Uh, Go fuck you. yourself, San Diego. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, looking forward to Jaws coming up next week. As always, guys, thanks for getting together and chatting about movies. Always wonderful. Of course. To spend the evening 
chatting it up about one of our favorite topics. So, from Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, myself, Alex Diekman, thank you very much for joining us here on this episode. We look forward to chatting with you next time.